Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to SEAC Stories, brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. This podcast tells the stories of our members. I'm your host, Natalie Pearson. Since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've all been spending a lot more time in front of the television. Across East and Southeast Asia, consumers have found themselves turning to Thai soap operas known as Boys Love Series as a source of comfort and joy. Originally deriving from Japanese comic book culture, Boys Love, or BL, represents just one of many instances where the queer popular culture of Japan has transformed sexual culture in Southeast Asia through the development of new expressions of gender and sexuality. Joining us to talk more about Japanese queer popular culture across Southeast Asia is Dr. Tom Bordenay, Senior Lecturer in Japanese and International Studies at Macquarie University in Sydney. Tom's research focuses upon the role of Asian popular culture in informing knowledge about gender and sexuality across East and Southeast Asia. His first book, which came out in 2021, is Regimes of Desire, Young Gay Men, Media and Masculinity in Tokyo, published by the University of Michigan Press. His next book, which is forthcoming with Bloomsbury, is Boys Love Media in Thailand, Celebrity, Fans and Transnational Asian Queer Popular Culture. Tom, welcome to SEAC Stories. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. So we're here to talk about Japanese queer popular culture. Can you tell me, first of all, what is popular culture and is there such a thing as unpopular culture? I think when we use this word popular culture, I think it's, it tends to be a synonym for something that often has a bit of a negative valence, which is mass culture. So rather than something high and faluting like, you know, opera or classical music or, or fancy art, we're talking about soap operas or pop music or, or things that are sometimes quote unquote termed trashy, but that actually bring a lot of joy and fulfillment to consumers around the world. So when I think of popular culture, I'm really engaging with media that is mass produced and mass distributed and that a lot of people find meaning in. And yes, of course, there's unpopular culture in the sense of media forms that may be, you know, sometimes actually the the so-called high culture for certain groups of people could be considered unpopular. And this concept of popular versus unpopular is less about quality and it's more about the level of production and, and how widely circulated something is. So when I say pop culture, I mean something widely circulated that a lot of people enjoy and a lot of people find meaningful. So did you come to researching Japanese popular culture and Japanese queer popular culture because you enjoyed it and you also found meaning in it? Yes, 100%. So when I was a young adolescent, I think around 14 you know, and I was kind of struggling with my sexuality, as many people do at that age. I serendipitously in the local library near where I lived in Melbourne had a collection of Japanese comics, which we know we call manga in Japanese language. And um, I was kind of flicking through them, not particularly interested or not particularly engaged at that point in time with things that were Japanese. And one really sparked my attention. It was called Gravitation. And on the cover, there were these two men, quite beautiful looking men, kind of locked in this really passionate embrace. And I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. And as someone who was struggling with 
my own growing attraction to other men, it was really quite exciting to see media that allowed me to to see, you know, quite openly and quite passionately love and relationships and sexuality between men depicted quite positively. So that's really what led me into the world of Japanese popular culture was that it already has within it this space of what we could call queer representation that is depicted really, really, really positively and that focuses on romance and focuses on happy endings. Unlike a lot of Western queer media at the time, you know, it was about looking at the struggle, looking at the, the problems that are faced. And I didn't need that because I was living that in my everyday life. What I needed was something positive. And as I've conducted research on Japanese queer popular culture in Japan, but also in other spaces such as Southeast Asia, I've found so many people that have shared that same journey, that same journey of discovering Japanese queer popular culture and saying, look, this, this really positive depiction resonates with me. So let's bring Southeast Asia into the conversation now. And I mentioned the boys love phenomenon in my introduction, which are these TV series that look at the love and the romance between men, which are a direct adaptation of Japanese popular culture to the local Thai context. What are the storylines like? Are they your standard soap opera dramas, but with queer characters or are the storylines queer in and of themselves? Like, do they go to Mardi Gras? So the standard narrative is quite similar to your typical soap opera in Thailand, what we call Lakon in Thai, except that, as you quite rightly point out, rather than looking at the relationship between some handsome rich man and often a, a somewhat disempowered young woman who is able to enter into this world of romance and wealth and, and cosmopolitanism, we tend to have that female protagonist is actually a male. In other words, it's very similar, but at the same time, there's some focuses that have emerged which respond specifically to the fact that this soap opera genre in Thailand called Boys Love derives from the Japanese manga tradition of Boys Love, which has its own kind of narrative logics, which in Japanese is called the Odo, which actually is very fantastic. It means the royal path of Boys Love. Um, and the royal path of boys' love has a few kind of things in it that perhaps on the surface don't sound particularly queer in the sense of radically pushing back against stereotypical heterosexuality, in the sense that one is somewhat more effeminate and somewhat weaker and somewhat more passive versus a more stereotypically stronger male and the more stereotypically stronger and quote-unquote masculine member of this kind of pair pushes the narrative and they tend to be rougher and a little bit more powerful and dominating. And in that sense, it does replicate some problematic soap opera tropes that one, one Japanese scholar refers to as the Cinderella story. You know, you've got this Prince Charming um, and then you've got the poor young woman swept off her feet with very little agency. And some boys love texts in Thailand as well as in Japan still replicate that, especially when I first encountered the boys love genre in Thai context back in 2014. There was this famous drama called Love Sick, the series that is watershed moment in, in Thai popular culture. It was the first major boys love text and it really does have a lot of these problematic tropes in it and it, it even goes as far as the male male romance gets downplayed in strategic ways at times because at the time when that was first broadcast you know a boys love series was not considered to be 
normal or understandable to a Thai audience. Whereas nowadays, actually, I think it was two days ago, one of my informants who is very active on Twitter sharing information about upcoming Boys Love series in Thailand noted that 2022 was going to have 108 series, Boys Love series broadcast in Thailand alone. You might have bitten off more than you can chew here. That is a lot of data. (laughs) (laughs) I um, obviously cannot watch everything. At one stage I did, like, and, and especially when I was working on the book, which was really based on fieldwork and research and, and so forth, that was conducted from conventionally start at 2014 when I discovered Lovesick. But I really focused on doing this research more systematically, 2016 to 2021. So where, where is it most popular in Thailand? Is this something that's kind of a phenomenon in Bangkok or has it spread elsewhere? The demographics of the fans of Boys Love and the production of Boys Love and everything, it's quite important to note it is predominantly a urban middle class female popular culture form. So the vast majority of fans are young women living in major urban centres, chiefly Bangkok, of course, but other major centres such as Chiang Mai, Hua Hin, etc., who have kind of grown up reading Japanese popular culture like manga and also watching Korean dramas and really getting into Korean boy bands. And and they're the kind of wealthy elites, if you will, who have time and money to spend. And they've decided that they're going to throw all of their money and their time supporting handsome male actors who appear in shows where they get onto the screen and kiss and make out with other boys. And God, that's sexy, right? So this is the, the principal majority of the consumer base. That being said, my research does indicate that we see growing interest in these series amongst members of the LGBT community in Thailand, mostly gay men, but also others such as lesbian women, bisexual men and women, as well as you know trans and gender queer people who celebrating the fact that Thailand now has this very positive romantic depiction of queer love on the screen that is completely mainstream within Thai media culture. And that's really radical because almost 10 years ago or even six or seven years ago, this stuff was really quite niche. And more importantly, the Thai media landscape was very active in pushing narratives of queer people as objects of humor or objects of pity or even dangerous threats to the status quo. So that's why we see a whole bunch of young people in particular really getting behind this new popular culture form in Thailand. And this really interesting media moment in Thailand, because you've got this domestic boy's love that's also being consumed in conjunction with media from Korea and, of course, Japan, which is my research interest. And it's creating this kind of melting pot or this huge inter-Asian media mix. And that's why in my book, I position Thai boys love as a trans-Asian or a transnational form of Asian queer popular culture, because it is about thinking about how Thailand is responding to, but also directing queer media flows within contemporary Asia. Let's talk about that because I understand that the Thai boys love fandom has spread beyond Thailand into the Philippines. What sort of effect is it having on queer activists there? So what's really exciting, I think, about this is that Thailand is emerging as an important mover and shaker in popular culture more broadly across Asia, but also in queer representations. And this does sometimes boil down to a lot of international consumers 
putting forward this idea of Thailand as this queer paradise, which it isn't, unfortunately. But in the Philippines in particular, what happened was during the pandemic in 2020, there was this one Thai boys love series called Together the Series. Prorao Kugan is what it's called in Thai. And it was massively trending in Thailand as people stuck at home during the pandemic were going like, yeah, wow, the actors bright win. They're so cute together. This series is so much fun. And it began trending worldwide on Twitter. And consumers in the Philippines, as well as in other spaces such as Japan, South Korea, Indonesia, but in particular the Philippines, noticed it. And it's like, what is this hashtag bright win, the name of the stars? What is hashtag together? And they discovered it. And there was already a pre-existing boys love fandom that had been simmering for a number of years since 2014 and that first initial show in the Philippines. But it was a very minor fandom, very small, very intimate. But suddenly in 2020, it exploded because everyone in the Philippines was stuck at home due to COVID, had nothing to do besides stream some shows. And why suddenly all of these Filipinos from across the gender and class spectrum in that very complicated country suddenly decided, yeah, let's spend our time in lockdown watching cute boys kissing each other. And this led to this huge moment. Boys love became a huge phenomenon in the Philippines. And of course, whilst I as a researcher have traced it, you know, it comes from Japan to Thailand and then it goes to the Philippines. For the Filipinos, it was Thai. Like it was a Thai popular culture form. And it really shook up Philippine media. We had a whole bunch of Filipino producers saying, okay, well, this stuff clearly makes money. There's a market for it in the Philippines. Let's make our own boys love dramas. And in response to Together the Series and Thai Boys Love, we saw the birth of Pinoy BL, which is still going strong to this day, although it hasn't necessarily been a focus of my own research. We also saw the popularity of the stars appearing within Thai BL become such a big deal in the Philippines that they were doing media tie-ins, like the Philippines' largest telco provider, Globe, now has Brighton Wind, the boys love couple from this series together as one of their brand ambassadors. One of the Philippines streaming services run by ABS-CBN, one of the major channels there, broadcast a Tagalized version of this Thai BL series. Like it became a huge deal and it has played a role in making a space for more queer representation in Filipino media culture as well. And of course, that mobilizes activists to also use it as a resource in their activism. So are we seeing it sitting alongside Western media or is it in fact replacing it? So this is a difficult question to answer because, of course, my research is with fans, right? And fans have heavily invested into it. And for them, it is replacing Western media very clearly. There is arguments around the fact that, of course, since it's produced by another Asian country and this is like an Asian representation of queer romance in popular culture, then yes, we should be investing into it and not turning to Western antecedents. But at the same side, there are detractors. And we see within the Philippines, for instance, and I'm working with a colleague at Ateneo de Manila University. Her name is Christine Michelle Santos. We've been charting some of the responses to boys' love within Philippine media culture, particularly from an older, more established generation of activists and gay male scholars who are actually pushing back against boys' love and saying, oh, this is just fantasies for straight women. And, you know, they're drawing upon the kinds of arguments around authenticity and representation that are typical within Western media activist 
contexts and deploying that to suggest that boys love is concerning and that the Philippines should be producing its own queer media. But what they leave unsaid is, of course, that the queer media that the Philippines should be producing should follow the quote-unquote good Western model as opposed to the quote-unquote bad Asian model of boys love. So it's actually quite an interesting tension that's beginning to emerge. But for the fans of Boys Love, yes, 100% that this stuff is much more meaningful. And actually within my research in the Philippines, where I've been charting not just the reception of Thai BL series, but also the reception of various forms of Japanese queer popular culture, which includes the original Boys Love comics tradition of Japan. I've met activists who have been involved in a number of NGOs who have deployed Japanese boys' love texts to really deliberately serve as pedagogical tools for activism or to draw in young people who are already interested in Japanese media to think about questions of gender and sexuality. And there is this long tradition, actually, in the Philippines of queer people turning to the media of Japan and domesticating it to the Philippine context, either through the production of their own Pinoy comic culture or in developing networks of Japanese fan clubs tied to queer forms of media that have been very active in shaping the debates over gender and sexuality in the Philippine context. So it's it's actually this really fascinating melange of all these different threads of history coming together at this one particular moment during the pandemic that has really as a scholar who is trained in Japanese studies, who has now pivoted to look at Southeast Asia and do fieldwork in Southeast Asia, it's really opened my eyes to thinking about some of the ways that Japanese studies scholars such as myself write about these things and kind of push back at some of what in my East Asian studies discipline is considered to be the truth of the matter. And Southeast Asia has really allowed me to explore this in ways that I never would have expected to. All right, I've got two more questions for you. I could talk to you for hours, but my second last question was whether we see Japanese queer popular culture taking off anywhere else in the world outside Asia. Of course. So, I mean, I'm an Australia-based scholar and it's a big deal in, in Australia too. So I actually have done some pilot research with Australian queer communities, so LGBTQ consumers in Australia for whom Japanese popular culture and boys love has played a role. I've also met here in Australia fans of Thai boys love, including some of my graduate students. I was at a graduate student event talking about my research. And then one of the students in our media studies program is like, oh my God, you know about Thai boys love? Like that's a, like, I can't believe that someone in Australia would know about that. I'm like, well, you know, come and see my office filled with posters of all of these celebrities. And it's there. Like, and, and I think that one of the things that's important about the Thai boys love phenomenon and boys love as an Asian form of queer popular culture is that it's beginning to resonate with, I would say, I, I hate to use the term Gen Z, but I'll use it because it's a useful catch-all. This new young generation who have grown up with a skepticism towards the received traditions of queerness and media culture and who have imbibed and internalized a, a skepticism towards the idea that Western culture is the be-all and end-all. And of course, many of these people are also from diasporic communities. And they're looking towards the media of Asia, whether that be Japanese queer popular culture or Thai queer popular culture, 
viewing them as equivalent. So I think one of the things that I want to flag here is that for many of these consumers, boys' love is a form of popular culture that is beyond a national conceptualization, that it's just an Asian form of queer media. And they look to it and say, yes, this resonates with me, whereas like, I don't really like those old queer films of the 90s and what Jack Halberson would call the queer art of failure. They don't want the queer art of failure. They want happy romantic narratives that end in the queer art of success (laughs) that's what they want and makes me think about some of my colleagues at Macquarie who do a lot of work on romance fiction and how we tend to and I want to take it back to that question of like the popular is derided and this stuff is very meaningful and important as a resource for a bunch of people who want to find tools to push back against received knowledge. And as, as a radical queer theorist myself, I don't like norms. So what really I appreciate about this transnational popular culture for boys love media, whether it be from Japan or Thailand or wherever, whether the fans are situated in Southeast Asia or Japan itself or here in Australia is how they are pushing back against all of these common, quote-unquote, common sense ways of making sense of queer experience, using Asian media as a tool to deconstruct and denaturalize a lot of what is circulating in Western discourse. And I think that that's really fascinating. And as an Asianist who is quite outspoken in my desire to stop treating Asia as some form of laboratory for the testing of theory, this I think is really key. So yes, I'm looking at these kind of fun little soap operas, but like they're important for us to rethink our relationship with Asia and the world and what role Asia will play moving forward in big questions such as queer emancipation. Tom, look, I had one more question, but I think you've addressed it. And the question was about how the boys love phenomenon challenges series of queering, but I really think you've nailed that in your final comments. (laughs) (laughs) As you know, Natalie, this is one of my things. It's what really motivates me. Why I as, you know, and it goes back to me as that 14-year-old in the library discovering that manga comic from Japan and how it completely upended my world. That's what really motivates my scholarship. I want to upend the world and, and make people aware that when we look at Asian queer popular culture, it actually is not playing catch up to the West. It's actually doing things that Western queer popular culture hasn't necessarily done very well up until this point. And that's, I think, a really important point. And when I'm teaching my students or when I'm engaging with fans or when I'm arguing with people at conferences, like this is always my takeaway that yes, they're fun little dramas of boys as they kissing each other on the screen, but they actually have a huge potential to rearrange the way we understand the world. And that's really exciting. And as both a scholar and a fan, like that's what motivates me to do my work. Well, I think it's really brilliant that someone like you is turning their attention to that potential. And Tom, we can hear the passion as you talk about your research and just can't wait for your book to come out and get our hands on it. So congratulations. And thank you so much for joining us on SEAC Stories. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to SEAC Stories. Brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. Make sure to keep up with all our SEAC Stories podcasts by following us on your favourite podcasting app. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, let your friends know about us on social media.